apology out of the way first, and then we'll get going here. Um, apparently, it's my custom to forget to announce that we have a gluten-free communion. So, um, if you ever would like to take that sometime, we, it's always up here. And, and Mr. Dave Gerlach, I owe you an apology because I was going to say that, and you reminded me. So, sorry, sir. Um, if you wonder why Dave was running around with an extra plate of communion, that's why, okay? So, if in the future you need that, just raise your hand, and Dave will help you out. So, anyway... Um, and then uh, lastly, I thought I'd set my notes to our wonderful sound man, Jim, in the back here, but apparently I did not, so uh, maybe I was being sick yesterday, but I don't know, whatever. But, so uh, I do invite you to grab your notes in your bulletins, if you would grab those. Do we have extra bulletins, Dave, back there, in case people need them? Yes? Okay. So it'd be really good if you want to follow along and see it, you know, to have those notes in front of you, and uh, then you will all be good. So if you need them, just like raise your hand and we'll, we'll get some to you. Anybody? Yeah, some in the back there. All right. Let me pray one more time and just commit this time. You can keep raising your hand if you need some notes. Father, I um, just want to give this time to you and recognize that I'm kind of tired and kind of weak and 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 just ill and and i just i just pray that you would use this time regardless and just push through any anything anything in me so that you can use me the way you want help us all hear from you you know that that reminds me that you that we want you to speak through speak to us and and i realize that we all carry in stuff that that can be a blockage to hearing from you we all carry in hurts and wounds and 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 problems issues that that kind of can become a barrier from what you want for us. So I pray that you not only break through my sickness, but break through our sickness as a church sometimes. We just, we are not what we should be often. And, 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 yet, and yet you're calling us gently to be the people of God. Help us be the people of God. Help us respond to your word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Over 2 million people want to go home. They want to go home. They've been wandering around in the wilderness and, and they're just done. See, home is where there's meat and there's water. Out here in the wilderness, they have this flaky stuff from heaven that's, what is it, manna, something. And they don't like that as much. And, and you know what? Freedom's a small price to pay for meat and water. Two, over two million people want to go home. But instead, they're wandering in the wilderness, wondering what's going to happen next. Oh, here's what's going to happen next. Let's send a group of 12 people into this quote-unquote promised land and see what it's like. So they pick these 10 guys. 12 guys, actually. 10 of them not so good. Two of them pretty good. And they send them in, and, and they spy out the land, and they come back. Ten of them say, we can't do this. Ten of them are just mad. They're just fed up. They're just done. Ten of them are ready to pick up rocks and throw them at Moses, throw them at Joshua. I might as well include Caleb in there, too. Let's just get rid of these guys, start over, and go back. Who is this Moses guy, right? I mean, this, this fake Egyptian Hebrew leader that's taking us somewhere that we don't know where. A land flowing with milk and honey. The only promise these guys see is the promise of certain death. Giants. 
killers in this land that will wipe out this new nation. That's all they can see. And the stench of death is thick on the Israelite nation. What? About 70 funerals a day? 500 a week? And you call that living? You call that promise? How do you live underneath that? So yeah, let's, let's get the rocks. Let's get rid of these guys and let's start over and get back to Egypt. Where at least we had food and water. At least we had meat. That's what they were ready to do. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at the first. Please go to Hebrews chapter 3. If you're looking in a blue Bible or a pew Bible, that's page 847. This is the last message I'm doing on the Cojourners series. The idea behind Cojourners is evangelism. It's that everyone's on a spiritual journey. Everyone you know is on a spiritual journey, either walking towards God or away from Him. Some of them know God, some of them don't know Him. But everybody's on a spiritual journey. Everyone has thought about matters of spirituality, heaven, hell, what do I do What happens when I die? We've all thought about that. Even if you hate the idea of God and you're walking as far away from Him as you can, you've thought about it. You're on a spiritual journey. And so we've looked at different ways we can engage people with the Gospel. We talked about being an explorer and just asking questions and listening to people. We talked about being a guide where we could help lead people to Jesus Last week we talked about being a bridge builder and, sa- and trying to identify what are the obstacles keeping somebody from coming to faith in Christ and then trying to build a bridge over those obstacles. Okay, so I, I think this is hugely important for us as a church because we're here in the Three Lakes area or the Eagle River area or the Sugar Camp area or wherever you're from. You're there to share the gospel. That, that's why God has you there. And so hopefully you've had some, you, you've thought of some tools, you've received some tools on how to do that in a better way. Today is kind of like the follow-up, the aftermath. Let's say somebody comes to Christ, then what? Then what? Look at Hebrews chapter 3 again with me. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, this is verse 12, sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. As has just been said, today if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was He angry for 40 years? 
Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter His rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. He's talking about people in the time of Moses who, because of unbelief and wickedness, uh, God reacted strongly against and wouldn't let them enter the promised land. These were the people that were saying, yeah, let's kill our leaders and go back. Let's start over. We're done with this. We can't win this battle. We're dying right and left as it is. This passage has a word for us as a church and how we should view each other in our journeys in the faith. Whether you're a new believer, whether you're an older believer. I'm going to emphasize new believers here today because that this is an evangelism series. But this has a word for all of us, wherever you're at in your faith. So we'll make a conclusion in a few minutes. But first of all, let's look at number one. Uh, if you look at verse 12 again, See, two brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Number one, then, some of our hearts are powerfully evil and unbelieving. Now, I've tried to choose in, in the blanks that you have the words that stuck out to my heart the most. Like, how is this like? Man, some of our hearts are sinful and unbelieving. Some of people in this church sitting right here, right, some of your hearts, and I don't know your hearts, so I'm not the judge. But God is saying, some of your hearts, some of our hearts, are sinful and unbelieving. It means, some of us who say, I'm a regular church attender, I do this every week, some people who say that are actually going to hell when they die. I mean, that ought to be shocking enough. I mean, the word he uses here is, he says, see to it, brothers, that none of you brothers has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Brothers is the word Adelphos. It's, it's the word that he, he would call the church. Church. Make sure that you don't have an unbelieving heart that turns away, that falls away from the living God. Really? You know, I'm reading this going. So, as I think about people in the church, some of them aren't going to make it. When I say in the church, I mean they attend the church. Because the true church is the true church that believes in Christ. But some church attenders are not going to make it. Now, uh, don't get me wrong here. You know, I, I strongly hold firm to perseverance of the saints. You know, that I, I believe that when, when Romans says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then Paul does, does a whole list of, you know, angels, demons, heights, you know. Uh, nothing can separate us. I agree with Jesus when he says, you know, those that have been given to me are in the Father's hand. No one can pluck them out of his hand, right? You know, so, so I believe in the security of a believer. But apparently we have such deceptive hearts, such unbelieving, sinful hearts, that I can actually fool myself into thinking that I'm part of this when I'm really not. That it's a fake sort of belief. Well, that's scary. Let's keep going. Number two. The church then must encourage loyalty to God daily. Daily. Verse 13 is, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today 
so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The emphasis in the text is on today because he says, encourage one another daily. And then he quotes from Psalm 95, as long as it's called today, so that you don't get hardened by sin. So there's this, there's this huge emphasis on right now. If you hear God's voice right now, don't harden your hearts. Um, I'm trying to see if that's in my Hebrew text. It's in, uh, it's in the psalm when uh, he says today. Yes. Um, if, if we went back to the psalm text that this is based off of, uh, you would see that it says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today if you hear whose voice? God's voice. If you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. So I'm an Israelite, and if I'm in the wilderness and I hear the report from the guys from the promised land, ten of them said, we're going to die in the promised land. There's these giants and they're too tough for us. We can't win. Where's the voice of God in that? Because, because I'm, I'm agreeing that the Bible means literally, if you heard his voice today, don't harden your hearts like they did back then. Numbers 13 has the answer. Numbers 13 and 14. Why don't, why don't we go there really quick? Uh, if you want to see the historical background for this passage, and if you're in a sermon-based small group, which you should all be, um, there's my plug, uh, you'll be looking deeper into Numbers 13 and 14. Because... Because when the writer of Hebrews writes this, he's thinking Israel. He's got them on his mind. He's got this passage on his mind. Numbers 13, uh, that's page 105, verse 31. It says, uh, oh, verse 30, Numbers 13, 30. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. He's like, we can do this, people. We can We can win. And then it says in verse 31, But the men who gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And so this whole bad report spread amongst the over 2 million Israelites. And so um, you've got Joshua in chapter 14, verse 7. Joshua says uh, to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good If the Lord is pleased with us, He'll lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. There's the voice of God. Don't be afraid of them. God's with us. He'll, He'll go with us and help us accomplish the victories we need to accomplish in that land. It's Caleb saying, we got this. We got this. We can do this. The voice of the Lord through His people. The church must encourage loyalty to God daily. Now, I read the word daily and I ask myself the question, maybe all of you are thinking right now, hopefully too, is how do you do daily? How do you do daily? Really? So... If, if I'm not encouraged in the Lord on Monday, then I might have a sinful, unbelieving heart. You might have a sinful, unbelieving heart on Monday if you don't get encouraged that day. And, and it makes me wrestle with that. What does he mean? He's emphasizing the todayness of it. And the only explanation I can get my mind around is, for the writer of Hebrews, he envisions a community of believers 
doing life together. I'm not saying moving all into like a, a, a communal living building where we're all kind of together like that. I mean, I know some believers do that, but he has in mind that we are so connected with the family of God that we are encouraging each other every single day. That when I see you around town, it's encouraging as we speak to each other. I'm kind of lifting you up, you're lifting me up. You hear I'm having a bad day, I'm sick, you're praying for me. I hear that you've lost a loved one, I'm praying for you. You know, that we're continually doing life together in such a way that sin doesn't have a chance to harden our hearts. I I don't see how you do this without having really great relationships in the body of Christ. I don't see how you do it. I don't see how a new believer is going to grow in the faith if that new believer doesn't have relationships in the body of Christ to help them. I I just don't see it. How how does that work? How are they going to survive? And and part of that is me looking back at... at, there have been a lot of people pray to receive Christ here you know, in the last seven months. And that, I'm super excited about that. And at the same time, most recently, I've been really unsettled by the fact that we don't have anything in place to take the new believer from point A to point B. I mean, it'd be nice to assume that we're just going to magically, that somehow it's all going to work out and they're going to connect with somebody. But it seems like we've got to be more intentional about that. Otherwise, sin is going to come in there and harden their heart. And they may turn away. They need daily encouragement. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, number three. Uh, by the way, this, is, this sermon today is actually my rehearsal and the real deal, okay? There, there's no rehearsal. You know, last night was supposed to be my rehearsal, but I was sicker than a dog. So um, what you got is what you got, all right? <laughs> it'll, it'll be good anyway, right? Um, number three. Salvation is verified through a lifetime of confidence. Now, now look, at, look at verse 14 here. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. How do you know you're really a believer? You know you're really a believer if you have the same confidence on the day of your salvation as you do on the last day when you take your last breath. If you have confidence in Christ from the day that you commit to Him to the day that you die... And maybe there's some shaky spots in between, but basically if you end with Christ, well then that shows that your faith was real. Sure you got through the shaky periods of doubt, or the periods where you walked away, or, or, or the times when you rebelled and, and you knew God was not happy with you, but, but He got you through those, and, and you didn't give up the faith. As far, as far away as you felt, you didn't give up the faith. Uh, I think of it like this. Um, we're, we're going really modern in my house. We have the new, um, you know, those new light bulbs that last an eternity, you know. Infinite light bulbs that cost me an infinite amount of money to get them. No, I'm just kidding. They weren't that expensive. But um, this, this box says, uh, let's see, 60 watt equivalent, nine years of life. That little dude has nine years of life. Now, how, how do I know this little guy is going to last nine years. Should, should I write down that I plugged it in on May 5th, 2013, and then when 2022 comes around, uh, then I'll check in and make sure this little guy, it's not a lie, you know? Someone said a year over here. <laughs> You're really going to get a year out of it. No, see, um, 
This is the thing. I won't really know for sure if this is a good bulb that does what it's supposed to do until I see how it ends. Now, of course, I'm not going to remember that. I'm not even going to think about that. It burns out. I'm going to go, whatever, just put a new one in. But, but God sees the heart, and He knows whether this is a good bulb or not. He knows whether our hearts are truly repentant, truly turned to Him. He sees the quality of our faith. He knows whether you're just faking it or not. Your heart may trick you into believe, even thinking, I, I'm good. I attend church, and I, I say all the right things. I'm good with Christ. But, but unless you've given your life to Him, unless you believe in the death and the resurrection of Christ and surrendered to Him, it's, it's not genuine. It's not genuine unless it's that surrender to Christ. And, and Jesus, you died for me, and I want that new life that you offer me. That's the real deal. That's the real deal. Some people almost have like a historical idea of their faith where they know this guy Jesus died and, and they know that the tomb was empty and they know that on January whatever they, they prayed this special prayer and, and, and then they forgot all about it. Forgot all about it? I don't know if that sounds genuine. No good works coming from your, your life? I don't know if that sounds genuine. But I'm not the judge, fortunately. I don't have to be the one to make an answer for you. But God sees the quality. And if this light burns to the end of its life, it was a good bulb. It was a good bulb. I just want, and I believe God wants, us as a church to make sure that we're caring for the new bulbs. (laughs) I don't know how to work on one of these. I have no idea. I do know how to help someone that's new in their faith. And many of you know how to help someone that's new in their faith. If, if I gave you materials, I bet you could sit down with somebody and do a five or six week study with them. Once a week, sit down in the morning for breakfast and, and just talk and make sure this bulb is doing what it's supposed to do. Right? I'm sure that some people, I'm just guessing, that they pray to receive Christ in here and they go out and it's like the sower thing, you know, and, and, and Satan comes in there and causes doubt. And they need us. They need us. They need the church. Because here's the conclusion on the matter. In your notes, uh, the conclusion of the matter is perseverance requires a community. Perseverance requires a community. We're not going to last this whole life in the faith unless a community encourages us. I don't care what you believe about eternal security or whether you lose your salvation or not. I mean, I do care about that. But that's, that's irrelevant to the fact of this text. I do care what you believe about it. But the fact of this text is perseverance. If you're going to persevere in the faith through your entire life, it's going to take a church. It's going to take a community to get you through that. So, with the remaining two minutes I have left... Let's do this, right? All right. I don't even even feel my stomach at this point. I am so good. Um, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Would you go there real quick to Ephesians 4? While you go there, I I had one colleague say, you get sick on a Sunday morning, you just find one of your elders and give him your notes and say, read it. Mark Patterson, where are you at? There he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> You're the next contestant. <laughs> All right. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse... Uh, Ephesians 4 is about baby Christians. It's about being infants in the faith. And Paul's saying, you've got to grow up. You've got to grow up. And uh, if you look at verse 14, he says, uh, Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and, and by the cunning and craftiness of men with their deceitful scheming. There is so much that battles against a new believer. There is so much that battles against them. I mean, their own sinfulness, the stuff they hear on TV, the stuff they've been taught their whole life, that's battling against the truth. Verse 15, Instead, here's a better way to do it, if you want to grow up. Speaking the truth in love will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We need some of you to do work and to build up these new believers. And so I'm putting together a plan right now and we're going to talk about it as an elder board, deacon board, on what we can do to have a growth environment in this church where if you commit yourself to Christ, the next steps are these. What kind of growth environments do we need? And we'll go through these very quickly so we can um, end the service at a, in a timely manner. Um, a growth environment is one characterized by grace and truth. That's what Ephesians 4.15 says. With time to grow. You've got to have grace. You've got to have truth. If you don't have grace, you're just going to break the bulb. The new believer starts swearing. You're going to go, stop the swearing. You know, that's just bad. And, and, and they're just going to go... <laughs> um, grace and truth. But you've got to have truth because you want them to grow and start giving up some of the acts of sin that they've just been doing for a long time. But which one's first? Well, if it was me, I'd start with the ones that bother their conscience the most. <laughs> that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit kind of works in your heart and starts saying, oh, you've got to stop doing that. And then you help them stop. You give them some ideas on how to stop. But, but trying to go through the checklist and say, you've got to stop this, 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 and this, you're just breaking the bulb. It's, it's, it's truth, but it's also grace. And you've got to balance that. Oh, we've got to balance that. Okay, three. Uh, there's three growth environments that I want to highlight in your notes. There's three ways that I hope that, that a, a new believer will be able to connect. First one is this. A relationship with a more mature believer who can encourage and guide. This is mentoring. This is mentoring. Where you say, I believed in Christ. We say, great. Who can we pair you with that you can meet with? Someone older in the faith that can help encourage these first steps. That's important. That, that's good stuff. Because then you can... You, it's so personal. It's, so, it's about the person that is new in the faith. It's about their issues, their struggles, their questions. It's It's personalized. Number two is something that I think we already are doing as a church. We can get better at it, but here it is. A relationship with a group of believing friends with whom they can do life. A relationship with a group of believing friends. So come on over to the house. Let's have dinner together. Let's just hang out and talk. Let's do a community group. Let's get together in a Bible study and we can do life together with, other, with a group of believing Christians. One of my favorite uh, Bible studies... Uh, small groups I've ever had, I think, was I was first married to Christy. We just moved to Watoma, new youth pastor. 
and they, they said it would be a good idea for me to get involved in a marriage uh, small group. And I thought, marriage small group, you know, and, and I saw who was in the group, and they were all older people. I'm not going to tell you how old they were. But um, they were all older people, and I was like 23. Well, I mean, right? I know everything about marriage. I'm 23. Um, and, uh, and so I went to that group, and man, did I benefit. My marriage, what a great first few steps in marriage to be with this group and to see their struggles as a married couple. You mean you haven't worked that out in 10 years yet? You're still kind of dealing with that? Well, sure. That's marriage. Oh, um, small groups. We encourage small groups in this church. We call them community groups. Um, Thirdly, a relationship with a believing community which provides a fuller experience of God's grace and truth. By that, that third one, all I mean is church. Getting together just like this. New believers need this. To be with the body of Christ as they assemble on a weekly basis. Okay? So I'm going small to large here. Mentoring one-on-one or couple with couple. Then I'm getting a little bigger and doing a community group or come over to my house. Let's just hang out and do some life together. And then thirdly, a bigger group that is the church. So... Don't be surprised. This is kind of a visionary sermon, hopefully. Um, that, that This is the direction we're going as a church. We've got to care for new believers. We've got to care for believers who are stuck in their faith as well. Maybe you've been a believer for 10 years, but you are just stuck right now. Who's going to help you? Who's going to help you? We've got to encourage one another daily so that we're not hardened. Because the goal is... Let's get to the promised land. Let's enter the rest of the Lord. You want to enter the rest of the Lord? By the way, this summer I'm preaching on Joshua when I get back from Uganda. And the whole idea of Joshua is, you want to enter God's rest? You want to enter the promised land? Well, salvation's free. It's by faith. But you better get ready to fight. You better get ready to fight because life's a battle. You know. So this summer we're talking about how we need to fight in the faith as we enter the promised land. That is, the salvation that Christ has promised us. No, we don't earn it. Works don't give us salvation. But when you get saved, you'll find that you're in the middle of a battle. So let's encourage each other daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of us are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Would you stand with me and let's pray together and be dismissed? Um, Although I'm leaving after church today, um, there's still classes going on over here with uh, Mr. Eric Gustafson. Over here, um, we're still doing the prayer meeting as well. Mr. Dave Ogren is taking that for me today. So everything's going as usual, just so you know. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful that uh, you've put us in a body together. This church has already encouraged me so much. (laughs) And, and, And so I pray that we'd be an encouragement to each other, that this church would be full of people that are genuinely committed to you. Oh, protect our hearts from the deceitfulness of sin and the deceitfulness of the flesh that, that, that tell us, it's okay, church attendance is all you need, and then you're fine. You know, Protect us from a lukewarm heart where we might get spewed out of your mouth. Oh God, we want to be hot. We want to be on fire for you. We want to be passionate about you. We want to have deep convictions about you and then live out those convictions in good works which prove that we have a real faith. 
Oh God, may our love be genuine. Oh God, may we continue to hear your voice as you speak to us and tell us the next thing you have for us. Help us hear. And then I lastly want to pray for those new disciples, those baby Christians. Some of them just recently have come to know you. Oh God, I pray you'd protect their growth and I pray that this church would be a growth environment for them. To nurture them and to raise them up to be committed believers who last all the years that you have given them to live. May we go, here with joy, go from here with joyful hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.